You're listening to the Joy Junkies Show podcast, episode 386. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 386. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, audience. Amy here, and I am Sans Mr. Smith. And if that is a new revelation for you, we are changing some things up on the show, which I'm going to get into in a second. But today, what I am going to be digging into are five ways to stop feeling like a fraud. You may know that I've been focusing on the imposter complex over the last couple of weeks. And today is going to be my personal take on five things that you can do and actually implement in order to start shifting some of that narrative around I'm not good enough or I'm going to be found out or they are going to be on to me, all of that sort of imposter complex that shows up for us in various areas of our life. But before we hit the ground running, I have a little bit of a free shit alert for you. We interrupt this broadcast of the Joy Junkie Show to bring you this urgent free shit alert. Repeat, this is a free shit alert. That is right. There is an opportunity for you to win some serious Joy Junkie swag just by spending a few minutes of your time giving me some feedback on what you think about the new podcast formats that I've been unveiling to you all. So you have obviously been a huge part of the success of this show, and now that things are shifting and changing because Mr. Smith is leaving the show, yes, gasp, oh my God crazy if that's the first time you're hearing it. I'm still kind of coming to terms with that myself. But what that means for the rest of us is I am trying out a handful of different ways to bring you expert interviews and content and applicable tools and things that you can use in your life on a day in and day out basis. But I would love to hear your feedback around what you liked, what you didn't like, the things that I've been thinking about doing for the show? Do you have other additional ideas? Do you like when I stick with one topic for four different episodes? Or would you rather it be a brand new topic every single episode? So all of that can be shared with me by going to thejoyjunkie.com slash feedback. And you'll see that if you share your thoughts with me, you will automatically be entered to win a bunch of Joy Junkie swag that you will see listed there on the survey. So there's a a cool mug and a grace and kindness necklace and all sorts of fun stuff. And that raffle winner will be picked on April 14th. So please, please, please be able to be sure to scoot over there, share your thoughts with me. It really means a lot to me to have you listening to the show. But also I want to give you what lands the best for you and what you enjoy the most. 
So I'd much appreciate that. And then if this is the news to you, if this is the first time you're hearing this, not to worry. Mr. Smith will be back for a final goodbye episode that is going to air on April 12th. It'll be episode number 388, and we'll be able to kind of do a nice farewell to him and the eight-year tenure that he has had being such an incredible sidekick on this show. He's off doing amazing things in his own career. So as sad as I am to lose him on the show, I really could not be more thrilled and proud of him for the things that he's doing in his own work world. So definitely want to support that boundary. And that means that you get to be an active participant in helping me craft this next new chapter of the show. So again, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash feedback to share with me your thoughts. That form is able to be edited. So if you listen to this as the third example of a new format. And after the fourth one, you have more thoughts on it. You can always go back and edit it. But that way you can just make sure that you are entered to win this raffle. So what I have set up thus far, and this is kind of the way that I'm thinking about taking the show, and again, would love your thoughts on it, is to have one topic for right now this during the, this little test run. The topic has been imposter complex. And then Share over a series of four episodes different ways of approaching that one topic. So the first episode I did was me coaching somebody on the air around that topic. Last week, we did a dial-in expert where I had a, a brilliant guest come and share her perspective as an authority on imposter complex. This week, I'm going to be sounding off on a solo episode, which I'm going to be calling Amy Says. And then next week, I will be dropping off an awesome episode specifically doing some hypnosis that you can listen to over and over again to help you combat the the idea of being a fraud or this notion that you are an imposter. So that's sort of the framework that I've set up thus far, but again, completely malleable depending on what I hear from you. So if you want to win that swag... Please go support the show, thejoyjunkie.com slash feedback. Okay, so let's jump in and talk about five ways to stop feeling like a fraud. Now, I think one of the things that is important to highlight before we even dig in is that studies have suggested that more than 70% of people experience imposter complex at some point in their career, and it's been known to affect women more so than men and marginalized women far more, right? So intersections of marginalized populations. So if you happen to be a identify as a woman and being a trans woman or and being a woman of color or and being a woman who is neurodivergent or any other intersections or multiple intersections, it's highly likely that you will struggle with this notion of being an imposter or being a fraud more so than others who don't have those different intersectionalities. Now, this was really insightful for me, last week I heard about the concept of imposter phenomenon from Tanya Geisler, who was our dial-in expert interview last week. So be sure to catch that if you have not. But she mentioned that there were two women, PhDs in particular, who 
did a study in the very late 1970s and then ended up publishing a paper in 1985 that chronicled how imposter complex showed up for women largely in relation to their career. Now, it's not always career. Sometimes it's feeling like an imposter in your friend circle or as a parent or in a relationship. So it can be a a myriad of different places that it shows up for you. So these women, Dr. Pauline R. Clance, who has typically gained most of the notoriety around this, but it is also noted that Dr. Suzanne A. Imes was a uh, participant in this study. Well, it was spearheading this study, the two of these women together. And I believe it was Dr. Clance who ended up really running with the the concept of imposter complex or phenomenon rather and ended up creating a large body of work surrounding that notion. And it's been since discovered that it definitely affects men as well. But something that we talked about a little bit in the interview last week with Tanya was this idea around how various societal standards have influenced how we feel about ourselves. And that is going to be very different depending on how you were raised, any type of intersectionality that you might be a part of as far as any marginalized communities. It's going to affect your, be affected by your upbringing, by key authority figures, by your perhaps if you were raised in any sort of faith or religion, the immediate culture that you were a part of. All of that will very much influence the messages that you received about your worthiness and about what you need to do in order to stand out in a crowd, in order to gain favor, in order to be acceptable or what achievement looks like. So I will speak to my personal experience because obviously I don't have the lived experience to comment on what it's like to live as a woman of color or, and I certainly don't presume to, or you know any other grouping that I'm not a part of. But here's what I will say about the role of religion and how it affected me. And this is something that I've been digging into considerably lately, so you've been hearing little snippets of it on the show. But there's this concept around breaking free from extreme dogmatic religion as deconstructing. And deconstructing is really about taking apart literal written text and how it's been interpreted, aka the Bible, to see if that is something that you align with or not. So I've been kind of going through this interesting deconstructing, deconstruction process. And one of the things that I have really noticed quite prevalent in all of the various sources is how, at least from the Christian standpoint and a lot of the Christian doctrine, the essence, the whole presupposition is that you are innately evil. You cannot depend on your own emotions. You need to be saved. You need to worship another entity. Now, I'm not talking about defaming anybody's faith or anything like that. I believe in everybody finding their own right answers. But as I started to be a little bit more scrupulous about the things that I was taught, I start to, started to realize that the whole 
basis of the of what I was taught was you are simply not enough. That you should be ashamed of who you are and you need saving. You are essentially broken. And you need to search for this other, you know, this supreme being in order to save your soul. So when we look at things like that, whether you were brought up in an extremely dogmatic religious environment or if maybe it was just you were kind of on the outskirts, that still has a ripple effect, right? So those same sorts of concepts permeate how women feel about themselves, right? Women not being permitted to be in the church for a very, very long time, you know, as far as an authority figure or being uh, part of the clergy. So we and same thing for persons of color. So we can see ways in which religion has upheld patriarchal norms, white supremacy norms, and that has then in turn created these notions for all of us to be going, oh, my gosh, I must be not enough. Therefore, if I accomplish something, if I do receive any accolades or any honors, it must not have been on my own accord because I'm I'm damaged and I'm broken. So I want you all to take that with a grain of salt, obviously, but start excavating behind what were some of the influences for me. Obviously, it my religious upbringing was incredibly uh, d- dramatic, but also influential about the different behavioral tactics that I started to employ around perfectionism, around feeling as though I needed to make everybody else happy, those people-pleasing tendencies, exacerbated by the way that I was raised. Now, perhaps it wasn't for you something super religious. Maybe it was a cultural aspect of this is how we do this in our culture. And that then in turn made you turn to these things to believe that you needed to be flawless or you needed to accomplish, accomplish, accomplishment over and over again. And then that was still never enough. And you kept leaning back and going, why do I still feel like a fucking fraud? For all of us, there is going to be some sort of key influencing factor. So when we think about, and well, the reason why I even bring this up is because I think a lot of times we feel like we are uniquely broken. We go, why am I this way? Why, what is wrong with me? And in fact, that's one of the things that I hear the most commonly from the students that I work with through my Deep Down and Dirty program is everybody thinks that they are somehow uniquely damaged, that they are struggling with all of this stuff and nobody else really is. But I need to tell you that you are holding very, very good company. As I was researching some of the quotes that have been said about feeling like a fraud, I came up with quotes from Meryl Streep, Maya Angelou, Michelle Obama, Tina Fey, Mike Myers, to name a very few. And one of the things that was found in that particular study with Dr. Clans and Dr. Imes that I was talking about earlier is that it is highly affecting around people who are high achievers and who have perfectionist tendencies. So it's it's sort of this catch-22. We discussed this a bit with Tanya last week where 
you keep achieving because you feel like you need to, but then you also keep coming up empty because you feel like it's perpetually not enough and then it becomes this cycle. So how does it show up? How So we know where it comes from, right? It's going to come from these various spheres of influence, whether that's your family of origin, religion, society, key authority figures, women's rules, whatever it might be. But how does it show up? How does it actually apply to you? There are a couple of key fears that are sort of the driving factor behind feeling like a fraud. So I want you to think about which of these really hits home for me. One is the fear of evaluation. This is the investment in the opinions of others. And these fears, by the way, that I'm highlighting are from this study that that I shared with you from Dr. Clance and Dr. Imes. The fear of evaluation. This is what other people think of me. The fear of not continuing the success. So believing that whatever success that you have is just luck or a fluke or somebody gave it to you. And in essence, it's not sustainable through your own brilliance. That's certainly not going to be enough. The fear of not being as capable of others. This is the belief that I lack the ability. I lack the acumen. I lack the skill. And then finally, fear of not being enough. Weighing who you are against who others are. That I am intrinsically not as valuable as other people. So then when we have all of these various fears, all of these various motivating factors, what do we do? We go and try to perfect. We go and try to accomplish and achieve, achieve, achieve. But we don't get to relish that achievement. We don't acknowledge ourselves. We don't speak kindly to ourselves. And so What we're going to be talking about here, I'm going to break down for you five things that you can do to contend with feeling like a fraud. But here's the deal. Much like everything in personal development, it is not that these thoughts are not going to surface, that we're going to get rid of these thoughts altogether, that you're never going to question your own ability, or you're never going to be concerned about being evaluated by other people, or that you're never going to feel not enough. It's not that. It's that we are going to change what you do with those thoughts, okay? So I think that there's there's a huge misconception in personal development that you will eradicate all fear, all negative self-talk, all all of that stuff. And that's not true. The truth is you will contend with those things in a place of personal power. So if you look at some of those people who we talked about, Maya Angelou, Michelle Obama, even though they had those thoughts, it did not infringe on how they showed up in the world. They still saw that fear and chose courage instead. And that is truly the skill that we need to adopt. 
So let's talk about this. What are some of these ways when things begin to surface, when I'm really feeling like a fraud, that I can start to shift these things? So number one is going to be reframe your thoughts and worries. So for example, if you're going through your day and boom, in pops a thought that says they're going to find me out. They're going to find me out. They're going to find out that I don't have any idea what I'm doing. In that moment, stopping yourself and changing that message in your mind to I am here for a reason or something to that effect. If the thought comes up of what if this is not good enough? What if, what if, what if? That's a huge way that our inner critic starts to sabotage ourselves is to start telling yourself in that moment, again, I cannot stress that enough, catching yourself in that moment and saying something instead like focus on showing up in a way in which you can be proud or focus on doing this task at hand or do your absolute best, forget the rest. That's one of my favorite quotes from Tony Horton who does uh, P90X and a bunch of a bunch of fitness stuff. So do your best, forget the rest. What if this is a fluke? What if this is just happenstance? Again, starting to go off in that what if. Saying to yourself instead, I believe in my capabilities. Or even if belief feels too big to say I'm focusing on my capabilities. Or one foot in front of the other. Or one thing at a time. What this is about is hearing the faulty messaging, almost like if we were to hear a record player, right? Okay, let's take this back to the fucking 70s. We're hearing a record player and we go, oh shit, no, that's not the one I want to play. And we physically pick it up and put a new message onto that record player. So now it's going to say instead, I believe in my capabilities, I'm here for a reason, I'm focusing on the things that makes me proud of myself, right? So we're catching it in that moment. Now, I'm going to link to a bunch of other shows that I've done in the past. That one specifically will be applicable to uh, self-talk, dealing with your inner shit talker. So that is definitely one of the places that you can start to begin to reframe what are those specific phrases that come up for you because we're all going to have those go-to phrases. Now, based off of some of the stuff that we talked about earlier, your, your inner critic might be somebody else's voice. It might be the story of the religion you grew up in. It might be one of your parents' voices. It might be an ex-partner. It might be a person of authority's voice that you now need to find a rebuttal or at the very least, find something that you want to say that shuts that shit down. So you can even say something as simple as, I'm not focusing on that. I'm just simply not going to focus on that. I'm focusing on my capabilities or I'm striving for excellence, not perfection. Anything that helps you shift that narrative. All right. Number two is going to be work on changing your beliefs. Now, when I was talking about all of the ways that it shows up, the fear of evaluation, the fear of not continuing success, fear of not being as capable of others, All of those things are rooted in a deep-seated belief that I am not 
enough. Now, that might sound a little bit different in your own mind. Here's what I see. Again, this is the most common thing that people talk to me about in in the work that I do with my students. They say some iteration of, I don't believe that I'm deserving of the happiness that I want or of the career that I want or the fulfillment. I'm not deserving. I'm not lovable. Not being lovable at its core is I'm not valuable. I don't deserve your love or adoration. I am not worthy. I am not valuable. I don't matter. All of those are different semantics of saying, I don't feel as though I am as valuable as the next person. And again, that could be rooted in societal influences, right? That society has said, this is better than that. Thin is better than fat. Better not value yourself. All of these different ways that we create what is better than. So of course we're going to have that internalized viewpoint about where we fall in that societal rubric. So keep that in mind. If you are working through imposter complex, there is going to be a deep-seated belief that permeates all of these various self-talk statements, okay? So for example, if I don't believe at my core that I am enough, that I'm intrinsically a valuable human being just by virtue of who I am, that will then create internal self-talk like they're going to find me out. What if this isn't good enough work? What if this is just a fluke? They're going to find out I'm a fraud. I There's no way that this is going to be acceptable. All of that self-talk is kind of fueled by that deep-seated belief. And this is one of the things that we do in Deep Down and Dirty, which again is my primary way that I work with students. This is what we work on. We work on shifting whatever it is that that deep belief is and how it's holding you back. And one of the things that I think gets missed and one of the reasons why I don't talk a lot about shifting beliefs as far as how to do it on a podcast is because it has so much to do with rewiring the subconscious faculty of the mind. So I actually talk about this at length in a completely free workshop that I have for you. If you go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, there's an entire segment in this masterclass where I talk about the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Because for many of you, you will recognize, oh yeah, I've accomplished all of these degrees. Or if you caught my coaching session with Rachel a few episodes back, it was this notion of I have to keep accumulating all of these new certifications, all of these new achievements. I have to perpetually prove my intellect or my worth. So it's that constant striving, striving, striving. So consciously, we know, okay, yeah, I've, I have a shit ton of degrees or certifications or accomplishments or I am a really funny, hilarious person. I, 
I should be in a relationship. I'm deserving of love, right? Like consciously we know that. But if on a subconscious level, there is not a knowing and a belief that I wholeheartedly believe in every ounce of my being that I deserve to be loved or that I deserve to be recognized for my accomplishments. If there is a disconnect between that subconscious and that conscious, guess which one is going to win? The subconscious wins every time. And your beliefs are housed in the subconscious portion of the mind, which is roughly 90% of the mind. So if you're trying to willpower your way through this and just telling yourself like, oh, no, I am enough, I am enough, and it's not fucking sticking, there's a reason for that. And it has to do with what we call cognitive dissonance. It's the disconnect between the conscious and the subconscious. So if you want to hear more about that, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, and you'll see in that workshop I highlight the reasons why we are constantly turning towards people-pleasing or perfectionism or self-doubt, and we stockpile all of these podcasts or self-help books, and we don't seem to ever get anywhere. Again, it has to do with the rewiring. So this is something that, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I do with women. I've done it for well over a decade with hundreds and hundreds of women. And that is truly what Deep Down and Dirty is all about. If you go to this workshop, you'll see an opportunity at the very end of that masterclass to book a call with a member of my team if you want to discuss with them if Deep Down and Dirty is the right solution for you. So if you've gotten to your the point where it hurts too fucking much to stay the same anymore, please go have a watch the workshop. That's your first step. And then if it resonates, book a call to see if Deep Down and Dirty is the ass kicking that you need. Because what I want you to hear more than anything else is that it is absolutely possible for you. The stuff that I'm talking about here around how the subconscious and the conscious work That is literally science. It has nothing to do with a secret sauce that's only available for certain people. It is applicable to absolutely every human, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how much of a fraud you think you are, it is available for you as well. I have seen it hundreds of times. And I would encourage you to to really advocate for yourself and take that first step. Uh, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. That will also be in the show notes. All right. So we've got number one, reframe your thoughts. Number two, start working on changing your beliefs. Number three, have an acknowledgement of your own success. So this is one of the, it was something that I give to my students sometimes as an ancillary assignment. Create an I'm awesome because list and write all of the reasons why you are fucking amazing. Or these are the things that I am proud of list. These are my accomplishments. And be as dramatic and elaborate as you possibly can. I participated in a program 
ages ago that had what they called a brag book. And so they would encourage you to keep a brag book. Like these are the things that I want to brag about. Even if I don't feel comfortable spouting that off to the universe, which is another thing we need to get comfortable doing, ladies. But baby step wise, let's create a list of acknowledgement. And if it feels really, really hard to do right away, think about what would the people in my life who really, truly love me or admire me, what would they put on this list and start by doing it somewhat voyeuristically, all right? Start acknowledging your own success. We've talked about this before too, how it's so common for us to acknowledge all of the things that we have not gotten to yet, right? So maybe you're trying to make partner in a legal firm and you have ignored the fact that you landed a kick-ass job as a lawyer, that you passed the bar, that you went to law school, that you went, you know, you had a graduate program, you you know, all of these things we're negating, we're not even looking at, we're not acknowledging because we're looking at this thing off in the distance of, I haven't accomplished this thing yet. And again, that's cyclical because the minute you achieve it, it becomes elusive and you have to have a new thing to strive for. Because the worth is not rooted internally. When the worth is rooted internally and you already know that I'm valuable no matter what I accomplish, all of those things become rewards and become exciting. And you become proud of yourself instead of feeling like you have to accomplish those things in order to be valuable. All right, number four, work on accepting compliments. Just say thank you. Do not try to talk people out of giving you compliments. Whether it is a partner who's telling you, you are so beautiful, or I'm so proud of the work that you did today. Or if it's a coworker who is saying, hey, you did a really incredible job in that presentation. Or it is a family member that said, I really appreciate how you always come through for this family. Stop and say, thank you. Do not talk them out of it, okay? Amy says, do not talk them out of it. (laughs) I just spit on my microphone. I got so worked up about that. All right. Then we want to work up to saying, and I, I say this shit out loud all the time, but you certainly don't have to. You can start by saying it in your own mind. You, you graciously out loud say thank you. And then in your mind, you say, I too acknowledge myself for that. I too acknowledge myself for that. Just the bare minimum, though, is saying thank you. All right? And then finally, the fifth way to help aid you in letting go of feeling like a fraud is to separate the facts of the situation from the feelings. So pay attention to how your emotions are communicating with you. So for example, when we are worried, when we're fearful of what other people are going to think about us, that feels like shit. So when we feel like shit, we draw conclusions to why we feel that way. So we go, okay, if I'm worrying about this, that must be true. 
It's not. It's actually a defense mechanism. It doesn't mean that you're actually in danger. So if you can stop and analyze that emotion, analyze the emotional feeling, and then analyze what are the facts. And this is something that I do with my students. I have a whole section and tool all around separating facts from how you feel about something and finding your truth. But this is sort of a a precursor to that, analyzing how you feel about something and then recognize how does that differ from the facts. So for example, years ago, I used to do lots of community theater. I miss it tremendously. If I did not get a part that I wanted, that would hurt. That would feel like shit. The facts were I did not meet that criteria. I was not chosen. That is the fact. But the emotion said, I'm not worthy. I'm awful. I'm horrible. I'm not ever going to achieve anything. I'm never going to be on a show ever again. I'm a horrible actor. The emotion is saying something way more dramatic, way more hyperbolic than what the facts are. The facts are, I did not get that one thing that I wanted. That has no bearing on the next project or the project after that or the next director or the next thing I want to throw myself into. So separate how you are feeling in the moment from the facts of the situation. Negative self-talk, by the way, that number one, reframing those thoughts and worries. When you're talking shit to yourself, the corresponding emotion despondence, sadness, guilt, shame. Those feel awful and uncomfortable. And emotions are dramatic by nature. So it's natural that we're going to try to conclude a truth based off of those emotions. That must mean I'm a fraud. That must mean I'm an imposter. That must mean I'm not lovable. I'm not enough. I'm not valuable. Not true. Not at all true. What it means is your emotions are just giving you a message that something hurts. That's it. And then you get to decide what the truth is beyond that. All right. So let's talk about this real quick. Reframe these five ways to stop feeling like a fraud. Number one, reframe those thoughts and worries. Number two, start working on changing those beliefs. And if you want more support around that, I dig into a whole diagram and metaphor that I use around a like a tree analogy in that workshop. So again, have a watch through that. Number three, start acknowledging your own successes. Acknowledge what you have done instead of being so acutely focused on what you have not done. Start a brag book or something like that. Number four, start work on, working on accepting compliments. At the very least, say thank you and then work up to, I too acknowledge myself for that. And then number five, separate the facts from the feelings. So I am hoping this has been super helpful for you. And next week, we'll be continuing our work with Imposter Complex with an awesome hypnosis track that I hope you find super beneficial. 
also one of the pieces that helps to rewire the subconscious faculty of the mind. And again, stay tuned for April 12th when we have Mr. Smith's goodbye episode. I would love to hear your thoughts on this solo episode as well as some of the other ones we've done in the past couple of weeks. Your opinion really matters to me as I want to make sure that I'm bringing you exactly the support that you're looking for. And that should just about do it. So I will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life.